Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Hello, and welcome back to the Divorce Course. Welcome back, Mum. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. And today we are going to cover a topic um, that is in the media at the moment and the government is talking about it and everybody seems to have an opinion and I think it's important that um, we talk about it a bit today to help those who may be experiencing it currently. And um, Mum, you had something to say about trigger warnings? Uh, Yes, I just, I have found sometimes that if people have been going through domestic violence, uh, sometimes talking about situations that are similar to theirs can trigger um, a bad feelings. So just a warning, make sure your head's in a good place before you listen to this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, so, but our aim for this episode is to really cover what coercive control is, um, what, what you can do about it if you're in that situation, what really is happening um, once you leave with coercive control and perhaps some, some signs to look out for if you're you know, still in, in a relationship um, or you're going through your divorce and you're not sure um, if that, what's going on. This, you can give me some ideas. Also, we're going to give you some tips on some um, other podcast episodes that you could listen to and a great book that you can read. And Mum, you've been listening and reading um, Jess Hill's book. Yes, uh, Jess Hill is uh, an investigative, investigative journalist um, and <laughs> I won't try and say that a second time. And she's, she's really done some deep diving into the issue of, of coercive control. Her book's called See What You Made Me Do, Power, Control and Domestic Abuse. And mm. she, her theory, uh, her research shows not only do people um, feel um, the effects of domestic um, power, control and abuse in their relationship, but even after they leave. Um, and mm. she's really um, not keen on the way that our police forces, our courts and our governments are helping um, women, usually women, who are the subject to subject of this abuse. Mm. And I, so I our, agree our, with her. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know that, you, that you're putting yourself out on a limb there, Mum, because you are in the situation of court, etc. Um <sighs> So what we're really going to be focusing on, there are some great podcasts that you can listen to that talk about what is coercive control, and we will cover a little bit of that. But our aim for this episode is to give you some guidance if you feel like you're in that situation. And as mum has just suggested, yes, that there does seem to be a continuation of the abuse through other um, government agencies, not, not obviously not by purpose, but it is being used to continuate, continue the abuse. So we're going to be giving you some advice and some ideas on, on what you can do and how you can um, help yourself. But of course, all this advice, as we've said, um, is, uh, is uh, sorry, mum, how do we say it? Is not individual advice. Oh, it's general is, advice only. Um, and yes. you should get advice on your independent um, or on your individual circumstances. What Laura and mm. I are trying to do is give you a broad brush so you know when to go to help for help, who to go to for help, and just to get a general idea if you happen to be in mm. this situation or if you know someone 
in this situation. Mm. So um, I'm going to put you on the spot, Mum, and can you give me a brief un- overview of what coercive control is? Hmm. Coercive control is a, a, a way or is when a person makes another person do things that are actually against their will or um, that they really have no power to resist. Um, so it's, it's, it's really making people do stuff, you know, that they don't want to do. So if you're, for instance, um, if you're forced to go to uh, family meetings you don't want to go or if you're forced uh, to um, wear certain things or eat certain foods by your partner, that's coercive control. Check your language. If you are, if you are saying, oh, but he won't let me, um, you're an adult. If that's happening to you, maybe have a little look at that. You might give in just to keep the other person happy because it's just not worth <laughs> not giving in. But gradually uh, you will be, you find you're sort of surrendering your choices as it is to this other person. So it's a way that a, a one person exercises control over another. And Jess Hill says it comes from a place of deep humiliation in the person who does it. And to cover up that humiliation, they become angry and seek control uh, so that they see themselves as a worthy person. So, you know, it's, it's hard to understand why anyone would want to do that to another human being. But some people, they just need everyone around them to dance to their tune so they feel okay. And the minute you step out of line, you're in for it, you know, whether they don't talk to you for six weeks or whatever it is. Yeah, and so it's not, as she said, it's not always strategic. Sometimes it comes from a background of trauma. They may have had um, been taught, you know, some things or had things happen to them so that it's from a deep place of trauma or sometimes they've got that narcissistic personality. Um, and the first case of coercive control that's really kind of been documented was when um, there was a prisoner of war situation. The Americans couldn't figure out why their their men um, wouldn't come back from being prisoners of wars from where they'd been captured. And um, after doing lots of research, they found out it was through this coercive control, not through torture, but through this kind of brainwashing, kind of making them believe that, you know, life is better there and um, they they beca- they needed to be depending on that person and that, that you know, there was a, is a coercive control kind of trigger that created these quite grown men who went into war knowing they were fighting an enemy to then become you know, wanting to stay there. And, and as they've mentioned that this abuse happens to, to women and men where they go into a home with, with, a, with a loved one, they're not going to war. They're not expecting that to happen at all. And yet it's, it is even worse and the effects are even more hard because they think that this stuff is coming from a place of love. And um, the, the trick with our people that are listening who are going through divorce or are about to go through divorce, you may have been suffering coercive control in your divorce, uh, in your marriage, but you can still be suffering from coercive control after you have left during separation. Because as you've said, mum, mm. that language, oh, I can't do that, he probably won't let me, or I can't do that, she'll take me to court. Um, mm. and, or and he'll be that, so that, angry. Mm. Yes, that that whole that whole brain thinking um, and and coercive control can still continue even once you have left. And so mm. Jess Hill says that um, it's important to note that coercive control continues even after you have left um, through mm. money, through financial abuse. You know, mm. 
So yes, I've got, I've got to... some examples of, of that 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 I've come across over the years. Things like you know when you're in a marriage, so phone bills might be coming in joint names, or you might have mm. um, a joint Apple ID or or, or family IDs. Uh, the person who's wanting to exercise control, once they're no longer physically in the house and able to get to you, um, it's very common for them to start messing around with like disconnecting your mic your mobile phone or um, your electricity bill, not paying health insurance, uh, just Mm. generally trying to muck you around so that you have to do things um, with them or for them so they they refuse to sign docs or something like that. It's just just a way of getting in your head um, and, and in your life after you've gone. So you need to be aware of all of these things. Gradually you'll sever these ties but... But straight after separation, they can be a real battle. Um, Mm. And our institutions, I mean, some of them are good. Some institutions, some banks um, understand domestic violence and have a separate way of dealing with people like that. But most institutions, I'm sorry to say, are very black and white. And the person who's been abused just feels like they don't have any power, particularly if you've got a smooth-talking coercive controller, uh, what I like to call a a, um, street angel and a home devil. So they Mm. go in and put on a good face, charm everybody, and by the time you get in there, um, they think you're crazy. They've already got a view of you. And when you try to get something done, they go, oh, but Mr. Such-and-Such or Ms. Such-and-Such has already talked to us about that. So it's just it's just um, keeps going. And so you want to watch with rental properties. They get into rental properties. Was that what you were going to say, Laura? Yes. Yeah, I was just about to say that, you, like you said, that the um, abuse continues after you leave and sometimes the coercive controller is able to use the law and other institutions to extend the abuse for them. Like mm. you said, with rental properties, they can um, go and damage the whole place before they leave and and, and then that person is stuck with the bond. Well, especially um, if you find out you're name's the only one on there Um, or if you know you've got a car registered in their name not yours or in joint names you may find that I've I've had people try and report it to the police when it's obviously the family car and and the other person left it there and then dobbed them into the police they they called the tax department they just rained down a whole shower of poo on the person who can't really cope um, and it does sometimes feel like you, you might as well have stayed in the marriage or in the relationship, but but you'll get through yes. it. And that's, you know, and that's the same with those prisoners of war and the same with someone in a domestic violence situation. They say, well, why would you stay? And there's your example. These women and men and children, you know, they've been through a brainwashing basically um, to the point where they believe and spend their whole lives focusing on how I can help this person and how I can make myself better so this person will love me and then after you have finally got the strength to leave once these other institutions then get involved with this coercive control person um, you do start you know these people start to second guess themselves and say oh maybe Mm. I should have stayed because life would have been better because this is a nightmare and um, so what really is missing I think in Australia is training for um, all of these different services absolutely and for everyone what Mm. yeah but what can um what can well because just the, one of the stats at the moment is the Insti- Australian Institute of Criminology has said that um, they've done research since the beginning of COVID in Australia, and mm. one in ten women have said that they 
in Australia have experienced some kind of form of domestic violence uh, since the start of COVID. And, and more scarily so is t- two-thirds of them said that it was the first time or oh, it has increased to really badly. Yeah. So what what can women do? What can men, you know, people who are stuck in a coercive control relationship, even after they've left, what mm. are the kind of things that they can do? So, for example... Let's let's just use the example, Mama, that that the um, you know, like you said, the person's left the car there, or someone's damaged mm. the rental property, and mm. you've been left with a massive bill. What can you do? Well, v- very little until you end up finally in court. Um, the best things you can do is kind of preventative. So the minute uh, I don't believe a word these people say, if they say you know everything will be fine, it won't be. Check your health insurance. Get it over to your name. Check your phone. Check your electricity. Um, report to the police uh, controlling behaviour or damaged behaviour, even though you think it makes you look a bit silly. Like if there's damage to a property um, and it can't be proven who it was, um, and particularly if the police come and fingerprint something and your ex-partner's fingerprints are on it, well, hey, he used to live there. So, But persevere and report. Some police get it. Most police don't. I'm going to go out on a limb there. And what's really upsetting for my clients is they'll go to an organisation where one or two people really understand, give them the support, just ring this number anytime. When they ring it, they get someone who doesn't get it. And and I'm looking at a lot of the male police, um, a lot of the older males, uh, and I think uh, that we've just recently had an absolutely tragic death in Brown's Plains, a murder-suicide, and that poor lady... She had a DV. She changed her locks. She reported it to the police. And, Mm. you know, four hours later she was dead. Well, Mm. the neighbours heard her screaming. I think that's the most shocking thing, uh, that they didn't Mm. ring the police. But we need need resources and we need training. And and I know police are busy and I didn't realise until I listened to Jess Hill's podcast um, how – Many of their call-outs are are now family violence. And it's appalling that they don't have the training to recognise coercive control and the risk with coercive control. So Mm. I think too, um, so keep reporting, ladies, keep reporting. If they won't take your statement, ask for their boss's name. Tell them you want to see their superior, get their badge numbers, just be ballsy just be a bitch just stand there and insist they're there for you and what what you'll find although every time you report it it comes to nothing oh we can't prove it over time by the time you get to court uh, and the police records are subpoenaed if you've insisted at each time they make a crime um, notification and they make notes and take a statement then Mm. the pattern of that behavior whilst none of it individually can be proven the likelihood of all of those things you know the slash tires the air out of the tires the likelihood of all of those things happening randomly to a person is pretty low and Mm. all the court has to do is is look at the number of things that have happened work out who's most likely to have done it and then you can say, Your Honour, this is the sort of coercive control. And now here we are in court and now this person's using the children. Uh, constant applications in relation to the children, constant applications for finance. Um, if Coercive control, sometimes people don't care how much money they spend and how many years they're in the system. And it's very difficult for a judge to 
identify in a in a property matter, for instance, that what's happening is actually control. Uh, so and and so it's really self help a lot and just insisting and get a lawyer who understands it. Mm. But but isn't coercive control coercive control isn't illegal though? That's that's the well, I thought it will be soon. Uh, it will be soon in Queensland. I think Tassie has it already. Uh, we are definitely looking at it, and and uh, poor Doreen's death um, is just going to make Queensland. Uh, I would say, more certain to get legislation like this. Um, I have heard from a, um, from one source that police will find it easier to uh, charge someone for coercive control than they will do for, like, physical violence in domestic violence. And that's because physical violence usually ends when you're no longer living with this person, you know. You can, you can you know, find somewhere safe usually. Um but this coercive control, they won't let you go. They follow that stalking behaviour. Um, mm. And as I said, interfering with your services, you know, um, every type where you turn, they've, they've been there before you and sort of poisoned the well in terms of people, you know, they'll go to your gym. They'll, it's just nonstop. Uh, but, but the police now are, if the law comes in, they'll get the training and it's very easy to prove that because these people sometimes can't stop until they find mm. someone else to do it to. So um, they will keep going after separation and the police should be able to gather the evidence. I think we're on a trajectory, Laura, really, to understanding more about this and this being um, well recognised in our country. Uh, but there's a way to go. There's a way to go, but but at well, least we're having we the discussions. At, mm. That's right, and if you look at what one in ten at the moment, that's oh. insane. And and that you know, I was listening to a podcast done by A Tales of Two Pandemics um, by yeah. Shut Up, She's Talking. Um, if anyone wants to listen to that, and they discussed um, that at the moment that that. Uh, coercive control uh, are now using these these perpetrators are now using COVID and its tight regulations as a way to even continue this coercive control yeah. further. So they they used an example of um, the lady. Uh, one lady was forced to scrub herself till she bled before she walked in every day um, oh. to make sure that she didn't have COVID. Um, constant tracking that coercive controlling people do, even after separation or before. Um, where have you been? Um, you can't go there because of COVID, you know, really clamping yeah. down on people um, or forcing people to get um, COVID tests repetitively <gasps> even if they've oh. had one the day before, you know, just inflicting that kind of control. It's pain, isn't it, and control? Yeah, yeah, and I think oh. I think um, as Jess has said in this um, in this uh, interview in this podcast about the tale of two pandemics, um, it it's bringing this to the surface and and it's really you know worrying yeah. some. So I guess the good thing that um, all the women and people are listening out there who are currently under this coercive control is I guess there are people talking about it it's going to be looked at but in the meantime if you are finding yourself just being bombarded and harassed and your whole week is just constantly fighting um, or, ch or finding things have been messed with and, and, and just really just the ongoing insaneness of it all you need to go and get 
some help, talk to somebody, you know, because with coercive control, you can start to think you're crazy or you can start to think, okay, maybe maybe I'm not capable of looking Mm. after my own life because all these things keep happening to me or, you know, or you might be too afraid to go outside because you know that there'll be Mm. someone stalking you. That's when you need to get the help because that's that's their aim of the coercive control is to make you to make you get back under their control and even Mm. after you've left if 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 they think okay well I'll stalk her or stalk him then she'll she'll be too afraid to go and do things that's them back putting you back in their control and you've just got to go and get the help and 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 get your brain say to um people a lot that you'll know uh that you're out of it when instead of Mm. thinking you're crazy you think they're crazy. Why would anyone spend their life doing that? When you get to that point where you get some clarity, then you're on your way to freedom from this. Mm. Um, mm. Laura, we were going to talk about the trigger moments, which uh, although mm. it's like a warning, it's also um, for me, it, it, I think it helps people identify if they're in a, a coercive controlling relationship yes. or if they were yep. in one. Hmm. Yes. So, 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 so they say. So, um, Jess was saying to um, this lady who was interviewing her. She said there are trigger moments that occur where you can have a completely normal, loving relationship, and then all of a sudden they'll switch. Um, and those trigger moments to to go into that coercive control pattern is pregnancy. Um, it's mm. a new marriage if you've just recently been married, um, yeah. the birth of a child or some sort of new level of commitment. Maybe you've started your own business or you've started uni or you've, you know, you've got a new career. And I would say one of the new trigger moments is I think the COVID lockdowns as well. So um, mm. Jess was saying that, that these moments somehow I don't know. They inst- like it's like a switch, and something in their past or in their childhood has indicated to them that, or oh, now, now I need to be a different person. Now I need to control this person because these things have happened. Is that yeah. was that your it's, understanding? Mom? It's kind of yeah. It's kind of like that. I I agree. Those things are also trigger moments um, to me. Um, mm. Have always seemed to coincide with the time of a woman's most vulnerability. Uh, mm. When you're pregnant, you're vulnerable. When you've just had a baby, when you've just got married, you're not going to walk out on a marriage, you know, in the mm. in the honeymoon mm. period. So there are those times where they think um, they'll get away with it and you're not going to do mm. anything. And really, um, I had an old boss years ago, a very, very country fellow, and it was probably 30, 40 years ago, and he said to me, the thing is women spoil their husbands, they train them that they will let them get away with this. He said the thing is to crack down on it good and early. <laughs> and he might be right, but, um, he, you know, 40 years ago we had no understanding of this. So no. they know, the, the, the perpetrator knows that these are the moments where you won't just say, oh, stuff it, I'm leaving, <laughs> I'm leaving. Mm. Um, also, but there, also there has after- been theories... Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Right. Just before you say, ma'am, after leaving as well, there are those other oh, trigger moments yes. that Jess didn't mention. But I guess you know when you when you know you, you've just, maybe you've just been to court, you've just had your trial, you don't want to go mm. back to court, you're you're afraid that you know you don't want to face all of that drama again. So there's that trigger moment again. Other trigger moments. But what were you saying, mum, about the research? Um, the research that, um, and I can't quote it, uh, ladies. Mm. It's just in my mind that that sometimes. Uh, 
it's usually the men who uh, do this sort of uh, humiliated anger, humiliated fury, and they yeah. are very triggered by a woman's pregnancy because it's the ultimate uh, show of to them that they ra- actually don't have control. Uh, the woman is the one who can bring, you know, have a new baby. How how powerful is that? Who can compete mm. with that? And and they're very threatened by it. Very threatened mm. by it. So that could also be another reason they're treated. The vulnerability of the woman is one, but the fact that they feel threatened by her innate power is another. So, Mum, for for everyone listening out there, I know, like mm. I said, in Queensland, coercive control isn't yet in, but the government will be working on that and hopefully changing things. Um, but once coercive control is a criminal offence in Queensland mm. and the rest of Australia... Um, is that going to be focused on in the like? Would you bring that up in the family court, or do you bring that up in the domestic violence court? Well, everything's in a bit of a state of flux um, because yesterday they've announced that the family court and the federal circuit court will meld, um, but that domestic violence is still the subject of the states. Uh, but the, this discussion, and I have to say, Jess Hill is my new hero. Um, but these discussions in the wider community they will transform into education and ultimately probably new laws uh, that will um, allow the family courts to take much more notice of these conditions. I think that the biggest um, issue I've had with uh, the 2006 amendments, and I mean they're 14 years old now, uh, about this equal time between the parents is that that is so often used by a coercive and controlling person to have the opportunity to interact with their ex every week and also, though, to continue to exercise their control over the their ex-partner through the children and on the children, you know. Mm. So uh, it's slow to change. The law is slow to change, but the more we can have this conversation the more um, other people start thinking about it, um, it will filter down to be mainstream. Bear in mind, the um, Domestic Violence Act in in Queensland, the first one only came in in about uh, 1989 and it's been amended in 2012. Before that, um, the police would say it's a domestic matter. We don't get involved. And so we're coming a long way. We've come a long way. Yes, but for the people that are listening today, Mm. I guess, Mm. um, would it be worthwhile mentioning the coercive control techniques in their affidavits or in their applications for DV? Yes, and ask your lawyer to put a heading. Hmm. Yeah, okay, so ask... That's all right. To so ask your lawyer to put a heading that says coercive control yes. and listing the the things such as right. what 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 you can wear, who you can see, how long Eating. you're allowed to spend it. Um, unfortunately, yep. um, we all know Hannah's story, and yes. um, there is a great charity called Steps for Hannah, um, mm. and they talked. Their, her parents just recently talked about the coercive control that Hannah faced, and it was things like she was only allowed to go to a family function for a short amount of time um he would uh, chase her up make sure that if she was running late that she wasn't doing anything she wasn't allowed to wear shorts she always had to wear long pants you know these kind of these kind of things that you think oh they're not you know they're not that bad, but when you look at it as a whole, it's their whole mm. world being controlled and also yeah. it 
these people are the the, the most dangerous ones. They're the devil. They're the, they're the devil. They're, they're the ones that are, you know, so it, I think the best thing you can do if you are in this situation, if you have left or you are considered leaving, considering leaving, write everything down, keep documentation and notes because as, as great as the domestic violence court is in Brisbane and, and Queensland and Australia, you know, you need that evidence. Otherwise, mm. people aren't going to believe you. You need to show the police, as mum said, you need to go to the police when this stuff happens. And I guess you can't really go to the police and say, oh, my my ex or my husband won't let me wear shorts. No. I guess the police the police are going to go. Well, I don't. I, that's, yep. Well, that's not against the law. So what you need to do is write it down and and create that. You know, show that they can see the pattern of coercive control, yep. which is abuse. Is that right? And that's right. And the stalking that happens afterwards that is an offence. You know, that is a criminal okay. offence. Do you know what I find a lot with people who've been through this? is that they normalise a lot of behaviour that if you told it to your family and friends, they'd be horrified. And often Mm. these people won't say anything until after separation. So Mm. you need like a fierce big sister or a fierce friend to talk things over with when you can and they Mm. will go, that's outrageous. You need to put that down and build up that scenario. Then, like I said, the Family Law Act doesn't really address coercive control, but it does talk about protecting the children from psychological and emotional harm. So when you are doing any children's affidavit, you can can put a heading um, for coercive control and it fits within the parameters or the framework of the Family Law Act and and put everything in that, you know, because Mm. it's only when you add them all together uh, that you see it's a pattern, coercive control's a pattern, and often there'll be multiple emails, multiple texts, um, and people, you know, where they've got orders that they're only the other parties only to communicate in relation to the children, but then sends, I've seen one, 1,500 in three months, 1,500 mm. text messages in three months. Every one of them mentioned the kids. <laughs> but, mm. um, but it wasn't until the judge saw how many there were that he got the idea that it was definitely um, domestic violence because it was mm. coercive control. In the judgments, judgments in the family court and federal circuit court are talking about coercive control now um, in their reasons. Uh, they find that, that, you know, one or other person's committed domestic violence and the type of the violence is coercive control. So making it a criminal offence just ramps it up a little bit more. It's really exciting times, um, mm. but it's sad that so many people are going through this and we are still having this discussion. This is sad that we still have to talk about it. And and Hannah wasn't the last, you know, that's the no. sad thing. So you guys, no. uh, if you're listening and you're in this situation, even if this person's never raised a hand to you, take everything seriously. Um, and mm. a DV order is just a piece of paper, to be honest. At the end of the day, if the risk is really high, take yourself somewhere else. Don't yeah. be where and he can find you. Yeah. You know, and if that's you've got it. relatives out of town, you go. Really, yeah, I think I think the best thing you can do is, is take take your situation into your control you can't always rely on the authorities because like we've said they don't a lot of them don't have the correct training all the time to help you Mm. so you 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 in in your heart know whether you're in a danger moment whether you're in a high risk moment if you are having to call the police because of breaches um it is a good idea to maybe just Go away for a bit. Go away. And, and Just go away. Disappear. Better safe than sorry. 
That's yep. right. It is better to be safe than sorry. And, of course, we have a link in our show notes to all the helplines you can call, um, 1-800-RESPECT, um, Brisbane Domestic Violence Service. But all of those people will just recommend the same thing. If, if you think you are in danger... Do not follow the same patterns that you follow on a weekly basis. If you go to the shops and do your groceries every Wednesday, do not go to the shops and do your groceries on that Wednesday. Just go somewhere else. It's not a drastic change. You're not crazy if you think you're in danger. Mm. Go and do your groceries at a different shopping centre on a Tuesday. Just change your pattern up. Don't do the same thing every day. Don't put yourself in a, in the chance that you could come yep. across, particularly if they're stalkers or yep. and you know that they're angry or you know, there's a trigger moment coming along. Yeah, that's very wise. I think we should say there, though, um, Laura, everyone's situation is different. And if you've got orders that the children must go and see uh, their father on particular days, um, find a way of doing that where you aren't actually the person doing the changeover if you think the children will be safe. If you think the children aren't safe, you better get some legal advice if you've got court orders before you go anywhere, before you disappear, because the court takes a very dim view um, of breaches of the court orders. The court orders have been made for a reason, um, and so you would only be able to not send the children if there was some legal reason, new and emerging legal reason, and you need to get some legal advice for that. But if there aren't any kids disappear go go put yourself somewhere else um because if you've if you've recognized these signs um you know i i used to say to to um people and i still say to people just remember some of the people we've been talking about and remember alison baden clay um she Mm. hadn't separated um none of those women thought they were in danger uh, i dare say by staying at the house, it never, you know, mm. occurred to them and and then look mm. what happened. So if you can manage it, get out, get to a refuge or, you know, family somewhere away. Mm. Yeah. And I guess during COVID that's, you know, that implication that maybe is bringing this whole thing to the surface and um, the pandemic, yes, but also this like this second pandemic of d- domestic violence and coercive control that, that, that maybe the trigger moment is that we're all stuck, you know, a little bit isolated and that's that's their aim to isolate, to denigrate and make you become dependent upon them. So if you find you are stuck um, because of COVID, if there's a snap lockdown or something and you know it's happening, it's coming and you want to get out, go find somebody that you can stay with within your parameters and and get out as well. And, you know, obviously follow the government guidelines, but if your life is in danger um, and you feel Mm. like staying at home with this person is going to put you in a lot of danger, then go and leave and you can explain it later. And don't use your Uber account that might show where you've been. Um, no, those are things don't as use, well to be careful. Don't use your flyby card, you know, so that no. they can. Yeah, um, just be really wary of all of that sort of stuff because what um, Jess was saying is that that's the tracking and the surveillance um, mm-hmm. that seems to be ramping up during COVID, particularly. Um, mm. So that's something that you just needs to be really aware of. And I guess, like you said, Mum, the best. What are, what what are three tips that you could give um, anyone listening today who who's left, who mm-hmm. may be going through their divorce in court or hasn't started it yet, but they've left, but they're still being controlled 
coercively from from somewhere else what 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 three things could could you recommend to them okay well one is trust your gut you know this person better than anybody you're the only one who's seen this person at home um, when no one else is around just the two of you Secondly, I'd say get as much of your own things into your control as you can. I be that is like be proactive with the electricity account if it's on a property you're at. Be proactive with your health insurance and also uh, with your phone. If necessary, get a new phone and put some dash cams uh, in your car. Uh, if you're in a car that this person has access to, get a different car, borrow a car, swap cars, something like that. Um, thirdly, I, I think it is to insist uh, with the police and with the lawyers um, that this control is is important and keep a diary of them. Test it with a friend. And you may find as you discuss things with your friend or your lawyer that they identify things that you thought were almost normal. So, yes, yeah, so in a nutshell, trust your gut. Get as much of your own things in your control as you can. Um, dash cam, surveillance camera, CCTV will help you um, with that if you can. Uh, and then thirdly, uh, keep a record of it. Get a lawyer who supports it. When you go to the police, be confident and strong about it, uh, what, you, what you're reporting, and, um, and find a lawyer who will be able to put that to the court. Mm. And if you can't afford a lawyer, there's women's legal services. There's yep. lots of uh, legal aid. There are lots of um, people out there. Or if you if you can't, you can just go and fill in the form yourself, the DV yes. form yourself, and just turn up to the court yourself. And usually they'll appoint you a police officer to assist you, a police lawyer or somebody to help mm. you. So you don't, if you can't afford a lawyer, um, or if you just because maybe the coercive controller has taken all your money, just fill in the form yourself online and go in and the, the court will to some degree give you some assistance but oh, they if, will. if it's mm. if it's black and white if you've got evidence that's black and white then you know you, you're going to be okay um, but again this is all um, legal advice based on nobody general. so <laughs> and general and all the stories are, are not, you know, not related to anyone, to anyone living or dead no, no. so we advise that you go and get your independent legal advice we're just trying to help in a general way and look I think what's happened recently mm. um which was on the eve um it's just been about a year since Hannah has passed and yeah. her beautiful children for this to continue the government really needs to step up but but until that happens us uh, women and men or anybody who's facing this coercive control for the moment it's up to you and you've got to realize just like those prisoners of war um those Mm. americans they had to kind of battle in themselves to get themselves back to a good place it's up to you and you need to go and get as much support as you can Mm. through psychological through the police and through family and friends and get yourself sorted. That's right. That's right. And be brave. And you can take, if you've got to go to court, take your friends with you. Mm-hmm. It's much easier now once COVID eases. You don't have to be by yourself. They've got safe rooms there for you. So once you walk into that court, you'll be approached usually by a domestic violence worker who will show you a room to stay in um, that's safe. And so it's it's courage and it's going to take a lot 
um, of courage to get you out. But remember, you can get your, uh, is it 10 now? Um, psychologist visits, I think, on a health yes. plan from your doctor 10. that you don't have to pay for. And it's amazing what that can do to clarify situations for you. So, you know, best of luck to all of you who are in in this situation and on this journey. Um, and I'm sorry if any of it, any of it uh, did cause you distress. Um, but if we don't talk about it, we can't fix it. We can't keep it in front of the government's face. Uh, we shouldn't have to wait until there's a death for the government to say, oh, we should do something. Mm-hmm. That's totally right. Thank you, Mum, for your time. And um, mm. thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, and we will stay tuned. We will be continuing this moving forwards. Um, keep in mind that our Divorce Course Online will be launching soon and we will have a particularly special uh, domestic violence module that goes with the rest um, where we talk about the whole way through, um, you know, how to keep in mind the type of divorce personality prism that you have. And if you have a high controlling or manipulative manipulative um, person we guide you through how to do this divorce process to the best based on that so um, yeah just keep an eye out for that if you're interested you can always um, subscribe your interest Um, you could just click on the bio link um, on the divorce course on Instagram um, or also on our Facebook page and we're also always there to answer any questions if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on our Q&A sessions um, just go onto our Facebook website called the divorce course podcast or our Instagram website called uh, the divorce course and send us a message and ask us some questions and and I'll get mum to answer them for you anonymously <laughs> online yes. thank you, <laughs> on Laura. our next Q&A and All don't right. forget thank you so m- uh, oh, Laura we'll put yeah. some links I think on this won't we um, to yes. Jess Hill to the podcast and also if, if you want to look at her book um, see what yes. you made me do um, so yep. just we're just trying to help as best we can I think I need a cup of tea after that <laughs> Yes. And if you want to make a change, if you are listening to this and you're not going through coercive control, but you know people who are, ring your local member and write them an email and ask them and say, what are you doing about this? Because really, that another death one year after Hannah's is not acceptable and we need to do something about it. And there's been so many more deaths actually between this, but Absolutely. it's really unacceptable so if you want to do something about it if you are angry about this then write to your local member email them call them and say what are you doing about it and i think if the louder we shout and the more we talk about it the better off our next generation will be so thank you mum for sharing your time with us thank you laura bye everyone if you found this podcast helpful we'd love it if you could rate review and subscribe by doing so you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording in 2020.